America's smallest hero is lost in America's biggest city. Can I help you? Reservation from McAllister? Is it New York? Hiya, pal. Oops. Home Alone 2, Lost in New York. What kind of idiots do you have working here? The finest in New York. Rated PG. Now playing at theaters everywhere. That's right. We are back. Welcome back to the podcast Old Millennials Remember Movies. I am your host, Angela Yoshiko, here with my hairy, hunched over, sniffing his mushroom coffee co-host tyler wilson all those were very strange things when you put it together they are really strange things <laughs> today we are going to do a deep dive into one of tyler's favorite all-time christmas movies <laughs> franchise <laughs> franchise well it's... home alone dear lost in new york well the first movie that, i love that mushroom coffee smells really weird the second movie is well it's the same movie. <laughs> it's the same movie. That's what we're going to talk about today. Yeah. So we do have a lot to talk about. Mm. I do want to mention beforehand, if you if you didn't listen to our episode... That was just a random noise that came out of my throat. Sorry. What? I thought it was a weird noise. It was no. like a... <laughs> Last Christmas time, we did an episode on Home Alone, the original. So you can go back and listen to that. You sure it's can. in our list of stuff and in our website, yeah. millennialsremember.com. Yeah. Go back and listen to that, and then you can come back and listen to this, or do whatever you want. It's your life. It is your life. <laughs> what? Okay. That was ready. it. I was just doing the, the thing where you're supposed to, you know, do the advertiser. Ooh, no, I don't have any. Never mind. <laughs> I was going to come up with an advertiser, but I didn't want to do it. I didn't feel like it. So, Merry Christmas, Tyler. Thank you. Merry Bef Christmas to you. Before we talk about Home Alone 2, what Boston, have you been watching? Well, you and I, uh, despite neither of us not really caring about seeing this movie at all, we still managed to go to the opening night of Jumanji, the next level. Okay, so here was the plan. Yeah. For date night. Mm -hmm. We were going to go out yeah. and uh, go somewhere quiet and do some holiday shopping on our phones via Amazon. Yep. But it was like rainy. Boring. We didn't want to like go between places. There wasn't any good coffee shops that we were, like, vibing with. No. Surprisingly, our area doesn't have some good late-night coffee shops. True. We need more. We need to find the ones that exist, I right. guess. So, I was like, ah, fuck it. Let's go to Jumanji. <laughs> so, on the opening night. <laughs> we went. And it wasn't even that busy. That's the weird thing. And I don't know what to say about Jumanji. <laughs> it was a movie. With The Rock and Jack Black. Yeah. Kevin Hart. And Kevin Hart. Karen Gillan. They all returned. Uh, yeah, it's fine. It was like 25% a good movie. 25% a good movie. Yeah. 75% either, well, 25% a good movie, 25% forgettable, and 50% kind of bad, yeah. in in my opinion. Uh, so was it worth the price of uh, my movie ticket? Mm, probably not. It was just like, the first one was good enough, because it was like... No one was expecting it to be really that great, right? Yeah, the bar was very low. And it was like, okay, well, this is pretty fun. Like, they had a good time. And then this one, they're like, okay, well, let's do that again. And they do try to, like, change it up a little bit by adding, like, new characters going into the game. And so The Rock and Kevin Hart are doing different character portrayals. Yeah. But, I mean, yeah, The Rock is basically doing Danny DeVito and Kevin Hart is doing uh, Danny Glover. But I don't know. Like, it's fine. They're not great at it. In fact, like, Aquafina shows up later. 
and does a better Danny oh DeVito God, she, for a smaller amount of time. Her Danny DeVito was yeah. so good. Yeah, it was. It good. made me love her more than I already did, which was a lot. And it was it was better because like uh, the Danny DeVito was already, he was like in his early scenes is playing like a big. He's not really like playing Danny DeVito like low low. He's like doing a voice. Like he's not even doing like just straight Danny DeVito. He's like doing a. I, I think to give the Rock something else to to do because. You know, I think maybe he can only do, you know, I love, listen, I love The Rock and the right things, but I don't know if his range is, uh, as strong as, uh, anybody else's, but Jack Black, on the other hand, if this, if Jack Black wasn't in this movie, I would have probably hated it, because he was, like, just kind of carrying the thing in terms of, he played two different characters, too, and he was, he was funny. I liked him, but the rest of it, I thought, was pretty forgettable. And disposable, totally. and I don't even remember much of what happened now that it's been a few days. Um, I did think there were some action scenes in the movie that I thought were pretty exciting. There They're was fun. like a, there was like some ostriches chasing yeah, them. That fine. was fun. And then another scene with like some monkeys chasing them. And I thought those were, even though they were like CG animals, I thought that they were, um, paced really well and kind of exciting. Yeah, it's fine. I don't know. You know what was weird, though, was that we got there a little bit, uh, because, again, this was not part of the plan, a little bit early, so we caught a lot of trailers, and my God, they must just think people are idiots, because some of these trailers... Was that the one where we got to watch Bombshell 2 twice? Oh, no, or, that I mean, was a couple Bombshell days ago. twice? No, I think that was a couple, that was a couple movies ago. Oh. That was different. No, this one was just all, like, the Scooby-Doo movie, oh, and oh, all these God. other cartoons. All the kid family All these non-Pixar, non-Disney, like, yeah, I know that's the giant, but at least, I don't know, it seems like at least Disney and Pixar try. They They seem to try. Peter Rabbit. Peter Rabbit 2, which I was like, what have, I don't even remember when Peter Rabbit 1 came out. And we have, and we have kids that like to watch these things. Mm -mm. And we didn't, none of this stuff was registering. I was like, I'm not taking my kids to that, not taking my kids to that. Was this the one with the Little Women trailer? No, but that's no. Why would they? They would never show that in front of Jumanji the next. I don't level. know. I feel like there were a bunch of random. We tra- did see. I think the last movie we saw, we ended up seeing some of those like drama trailers. So I think that's what you're thinking because we did see two, but the bombshell uh, commercial right after another, which was odd. And then we saw a Little Women trailer and all that. So all these movies are uh, either out or coming out very soon. So that's what we saw in the theater. Yay. <laughs> I have. Oh, I did go to the theater again though, and I watched uh, two movies. One was called. Uh, this is like. Well, it's been. I mean, it's been a few days, but uh, Waves. What are you looking at me like that for? Oh, I know how you watch these movies. No, you didn't. I went at to the theater. The theater. I did. When? Like two. Do you, are you going to time the? You want to put the timing on the when we recorded this and when we should have recorded this? I saw these movies like like a week ago, <laughs> like in the theater on a Monday. Well, I'm sorry you keep falling asleep every night. I don't fall asleep. I fell asleep one night. I fell asleep one night putting the your, night we were supposed to putting record. your two year old son to sleep, getting him to go anyway, to bed. Anyway, what is waves? Go ahead. No, sure. you're being such a such a snooty snoot is what you're doing. Your face is no snooty snooty. Oh, fuck you. You're such a snooty snooty face. It's even beeper. Ooh, it's getting angry now. <laughs> Waves is a movie about uh, a family that uh, it's made by the guy who made. We went and saw his last movie. It comes at night. If you remember that, uh, the virus zombie yeah. thing, and people that, were yeah. Do you? I think you remember those people that left the theater because we went on, like I think the opening night and they were expecting like a straight horror movie. And they were and like, that, "What the fuck?" They were. That was not what they got. 
Um, he also made a movie called Krisha, uh, which I think is a little bit better than It Comes a Night. Anyway, it's okay. It's it's weird because it's a movie about uh, a family, and there's like two teenage kids in the family, and Sterling K. Brown is like the dad of the family, so he's in it. But the movie focuses on the older son for the first half. Mm-hmm. All the whole, it's exclusive. I mean, the other people kind of weave it in, but it never leaves his perspective. Mm-hmm. And then there's a thing in the middle. He gets murdered. I no, but there's a thing in the middle. Dead. No, there's a thing in the middle. No, uh-huh. no, that's not what happens. He, Tyler is making a chopping motion, just to no, let you all know. It's just there's a very there's a sequence that splits it where you're following him, and then it kind of shifts over to the girl, and then it's the story. Then it follows her, and then these other characters. Like, it's still the same people. He, the boy, transitions into becoming a woman. No, God, just I. When you say a thing happens, there's a sequence where they're both at, and then it that is the point where they switch they they switch the focus of the movie from one character to the other. Whereas they are in, she's in the beginning part, and but she's not the focus, and then she's the focus later, and he's in that part, but she's the she's the focus anyway. She's the wave, <laughs> right? Because <laughs> it's called the waves. I don't know. Like I I I like the second half better. The first half is very um, intense because the guy is like. Uh, uh, he's had and he's like a wrestling star and he's had an injury so he's like taking like pain meds and he's you know he's losing it a little bit so that's very intense and then the second half is like she's definitely like more mellow mm-hmm. um i i liked her performance taylor russell i think is her name she's great and she's really good and sterling k brown has some excellent scenes on both sides of it and then the other guy is uh oh, I can't think of his name. He was really good in Loose, which I saw in the summer and liked, and he playing a very different kind of part, and he's good too. The movie's very fussy. I don't know if that's a good way to describe it. It's fussy. It's just a lot going on. It's very like uh he, this this director is really like oh, making my uh, making my big epic here. He's like it's like Paul Thomas Anderson when he made Magnolia and he was like, uh, I'm Paul Thomas Anderson and I can do what I want for three hours, right? And with Paul Thomas Anderson, it's like, well, he's a genius, right? I don't know if this guy's not a genius, but I don't know if this movie's not telling me he's a genius. It's just, it's very fussy. It's like very, there's a lot going on. He's moving the camera a lot. He's doing a lot with the music. He's doing a lot with this. It's just like his filmmaking is very much on a stage and where he's very much, like it becomes the story a little bit for me, mm-hmm. a little bit too much. It's mm-hmm. a little fussy fascinating yeah <laughs> but it was okay it was okay i like the second half better so it was good not amazing okay that was waves waves saw honey boy that's the movie where shia labeouf is playing his dad and it's a movie about it's a movie in two halves there's a guy a movie star is in rehab played by lucas hedges who's clearly supposed to be labeouf and a younger version where he like playing on a kids TV show like LaBeouf did on Even Stevens, right? And so there's a kid, and then there's Shia LaBeouf playing the his dad in those scenes, and then in the it's Lucas Hedges on the other part. Mm-hmm. And it's a weird. It sounds like it would be uh, a real just a vain vanity project, right? A little bit because LaBeouf went to rehab. He wrote this screenplay while he was in rehab. It's like a, it feels like a therapy session uh, for him on screen because he wrote the screenplay too. But I mean, it, it in that in that weird way, it's kind of fascinating to watch because it is fascinating. Yeah, it is because it, he's doing something very intense, and he I you know we've I think I've been on the record on this podcast. I think we both have being like I'm a LaBeouf acting fan. I don't condone all that nonsense, but. 
I like him in movies, and I think he's never been better playing this part, which is just, it's just, it's fascinating because he's playing a guy who clearly, like, fucked up his childhood a little bit, right? And he's a not a great dude. He's a recovering alcoholic, right? Uh, but, you know, he's not playing it like a straight villain, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you can see the empathy in the performance, which I thought was just, just so strange, right? And how that would be. So, you know, knowing what you know about him... And then watching this kind of play out, I and I, it, it's and the kid is really good. I think his name is Noah Loop, and uh, right, I like him as an actor, and I think he's doing a good impression. But I don't know, it's not the part of the movie is not as good as the other mm-hmm. stuff. Mm-hmm. But it's good, good. I mean, it's more good work from him. I gotta say, so I like that. That was Honey Boy. And then I uh, quickly watched a couple of uh, streaming things that are on a lot of top ten lists right now. Uh, the Souvenir is one uh, that I watched. This is on a lot of top ten lists, and it is about um, a girl going through, like, film school in, like, the 80s, and she's, you know, it's kind of a coming-of-age kind of thing a little bit, and she starts dating uh, this guy who works for the government or something, and he, here's the thing, I think it's well-made, I think it's acted well, but uh, the the whole construction of this movie is based on, like, this relationship of, of, like, this very toxic relationship where he is being subtly terrible to her, right? And just, like, being just a problematic dude for her. To me, the guy was never... Because we've seen these stories a little bit, right? Before, where, you know, a a young person will fall for someone who maybe is very entrancing or enchanting or or, uh, magnetic, right? And then they slowly learn that they're not right for them or they're using them, right? The problem with, I think, this, at least for me, was that... The guy just kind of seemed like a fuck up from the beginning, oh. and it's frustrating. It was frustrating me. I was like, "You are not. I'm not. You. You. I understand the character, but I. I. I was struggling. I was like, I don't know. I don't know if you're getting latched onto this guy, and and you're doing all these things for him because it just seems like he's lying to you about everything. He's not that. Imp- he's not impressive in any. I don't know. To me, that was kind of like the barrier for really enjoying the movie. Mm. And then uh, I watched. Transit, and I didn't pull the notes up on it. This is a a pretty great movie uh, from the director of. There's a made a movie a couple years ago called Phoenix. Did you ever watch this with me? Nope. It was a really good uh, foreign language film where this woman who was like um, in the war was disfigured in like World War Two, and then she comes back to like reclaim. She was a Jewish woman. She comes back to reclaim her fortune, her family fortune, and she finds her husband who's trying to do that, but the husband doesn't realize that that was her wife, his wife, and blah, 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 and this mystery plays out. Oh, you were telling me about this. It's though. great. We'll it's a it. it's a yeah. really good movie. And so this is Transit, which is a movie about... Um, it's it seemingly... It seems like it starts in a similar time period, like World War II, but it takes place in modern time. Like, some modern ambulances fly around, but there's, like, people are rounding up uh, people in France, certain, certain people, people of a certain... Um, Ethnicity. Ethnicity. And so um, the movie is about this one particular guy who is kind of on the run from that, gets a, cro- gets a hold of some papers that are from like a famous author that lets him get um, tran- transit out of the country to Mexico, but he's got to go through the United States and all this other stuff. And so he's he goes to one town to another, and then he's waiting for these papers to go through, and he comes across the man's papers that he has. He comes across his wife, like that man's wife. And she's waiting for him, but he knows that he's not coming 
but she he feels bad about that, but he's also like falling for her. But and it's weird because it's set in this very modern time, so there's this very uneasy push and pull of like because it feels like a story about like World War Two, right? Mm-hmm. Or and, and occup you know Nazi occupied things. And but it, it, I think the the modern aspect of it makes it really unnerving in a different way, and that was really good. Really, really. I wish I had the name of the director right now, but it's excellent. It's on that one is on Amazon Prime. The, I think they're both on Amazon Prime. Maybe one's on Hulu. I can look for you. You should. You have that computer right in front I of you. I have the internet in front of me. <clears throat> Transit film from 2018. It, it came out in the states in 2019, but. Yeah, it was a festival movie last year, I think, so. I mean, I could look it up. That's assuming our internet isn't garbage. We're doing okay, so it came good out here in planning. March 2019. Yeah, and it's on, I think it's on Amazon Prime. Christian Petzold. Mm-hmm. He, he adapted the novel. Yeah, and I think the novel was written during World War II, but then, like, that's the thing that makes it kind of different is that he just brought it to a modern time period, but doesn't say a lot of specifics about what's happening. So that one I really recommend. I think that one was is excellent. It might be a, a talking point of a future best of episode that we do. I mean, this plot that you're describing, um, a man attempting to escape Nazi-occupied France falls in love with the wife of a dead author whose identity he has assumed. Sounds similar to the plot of Reindeer Games, which we just recorded a podcast on. Yeah, go back and listen to that. Yeah, so catfishing <laughs> a dead person, pretending to take their identity to it's, get the woman. It's mm-hmm. told... A little bit better. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure, I'm sure, I'm sure. But maybe that, I, I can see this novel being an inspiration for Reindeer Games. Executed a little better. A little, a little different, yeah. I mean, that's all I got, other than if you want to talk about what we uh, turned on with the kids earlier today. I don't. <laughs> well, we talked about, we had an episode on the first movie, and then we talked about it, the second one in the last movie. Mm-hmm. So we watched the kids, uh, well, most of it. I, we were. We watched uh, the last 45 minutes. Yeah, the of... kids watched the whole thing. We weren't, Grandma was watching Santa it with them. Santa Claus 3. Santa Claus 3. And uh, I've been warning the kids, they've been wanting to watch it. And I've just been like, listen, there's a big drop off. Like, if there's a drop off from one to two, and then it's like the, it's a, it's a mountain. It's a cliff. It's a, it's the Grand Canyon between two and three, in my opinion. They seem to think it was fine. But I, we watched. I mean, the thing about it, it has a good concept in that it is about the escape clauses, the subtitle, in that Jack Frost played without any kind of restraint by Martin Short. And I, you and I agree that Martin Short, while uh, a very gifted comedian and a very talented guy, uh, if he's not controlled in any kind of way, is almost unwatchable. Unbearable. It, mm-hmm. it can be, it can be too much, right? Yep. And this is the case with they've just they let they once they put the Jack Frost makeup on him they're just like well whatever you want to do Martin do your thing dude and that's what he does, he does his and thing. it's it's big and it's awful <laughs> but um but it's like this idea where he's trying to get Santa Claus to uh, relinquish command of the North Pole so he has got it like you say like oh I wish I was never Santa and it creates this. Uh, paradox where he goes back and doesn't become that and he's then he gets to see what his life so we've got a little bit of like um it's a wonderful life going on here we got a little bit of like back to future part two which we watched like a half hour of last night which was fun because it like folds over into that but the problem with it is it takes forever to get that plot going it's just people hanging out at the north pole uh and margaret and alan arkin are just sitting around as the in-laws and it's horror and they're pretending that they don't know that they're where they are they're pretending they're in canada so annoying and then the fun like the actual like 
arc of like the actual meat of the plot, it takes place over like 30 minutes and it's like over. And then there's another 20 minutes of just insufferable shit after that. Yeah, it's brutal. It's frustrating. And it could be a fun concept if you just like took Martin, Schoen, Martin Short down a notch and actually committed to the bit. But whatever. Ugh, not worth watching at all, ever. Even our son, who's like, we'll say, like, our six-year-old, he's like, oh, I liked it. Yeah, it was good. I liked it. It's my favorite one. Even when we were, like, because we were at Grandma's house. Like, it was... There was he's like, like uh, I'm ready to go home now. There was, like, 20 minutes left. And I was like, well, let's go. can we just go? He's like, one of our... Marion wanted to watch the rest of it. And he's like, can we just go? I was like, yeah, no. There's, no, there's nothing worth seeing here. It feels like, over. Yep. Yeah. That's it. That's all I'm talking about. There we go. Done. All right. So to recap, Jumanji. Yeah. Um, watch it for free at some point. Yeah. Waves. Yeah, it's okay. Honey Boy. I liked Honey Boy. The Souvenir. I, it, it's on a lot of top ten lists. I don't know. Transit. I really like Transit. The Santa Claus 3. I would never watch that again. Well, I probably will. So we have about <laughs> half solid uh, up or down recommendations and a bunch of eh, Did you watch Tyler. anything else? No? No. All right. I'm just cruising through, you know, my guilty pleasures. You know, we're in a few weeks. We're going to do a best of uh, podcast. We'll break our our format a little bit. You should watch some of these uh, things that are available to you. Okay. Not uh, you got to take a little break from vampires. Sorry, I don't know what you're talking about. Got to take a break from those vampires. Just okay. saying. Okay, we ready to do this? Yeah, always ready to do this. Okay, so we are talking about Home Alone Two, and Austin, New York. Let's kick it off with some high stats, then we'll share what we remember, mm -hmm. and then we're going to deep dive into a few different topics. Yeah. Okay. Sounds good. So Home Alone 2, La colon, Lost in New York, came out November 20th, 1992, mm -hmm. which is the appropriate release date for a Christmas movie. Yeah. We've had some Christmas movies that we've podcasted here that uh, came out in random fucking days. They have the new, I mean, I think the popular trend for a like, movie that really wants to make money being a Christmas movie is like early November so it can ride the legs, but I mean, Reindeer Games came out in February, so. Yikes. Right. Okay, so it's rated PG. Clock's in at how long? It's like, it's like a 116. It's like two hours. Yeah, 116 minutes, two hours. It's bullshit. How many minutes exactly? 120 is two right on. hours. So right it's on two. two. Hours, yeah. yeah. Okay. It's directed by Chris Columbus. He returned. Also written by John Hughes. Was it okay? Can you detail that? Was that is it just characters by for him, or did he come back and actually write the screenplay? Wow. Okay. <laughs> Stars Macaulay Culkin, Joe Pesci, Daniel Stern, all the same people. Catherine O'Hara, John Hurd, Uncle Frank, some other people, some new people. So the first movie budget wasn't that big. No. And then this budget... They got more. Everybody got payday, I'm sure. Was $18 million. Really? That's it? Yeah. I, I can't thought, believe I that. the budget was bigger because his his cost alone, Macaulay Culkin's, he made like 100000 on the first movie. Yeah. And then on the second movie, $4.5 Oh. I was... I, so I'd he be took a big chunk of change out of that you would, 18. I'd be curious maybe if the uh, other actors maybe got like a back-end deal maybe because like Pesci and Stern, you'd think that they would be like, well, we're kind of come back for this. It's... Like, you're going to have to jump, we'll get to it, but you're going to have to jump through a lot of hoops to get us back in this movie plot-wise. Maybe, like, give us a little back-end deal or something, but I don't know. It grossed in the U.S. $173 million. Big hit. And worldwide grossed $365 million. What a hit. Huge hit. What a what a That's smash! Insane. Well, the whole first Home Alone was literally a phenomenon. It was, it's, I mean, still, 
ranks as one of the highest grossing movies of all time, especially if you, you know, put in- inflation into account. So, yeah, people wanted to come back. Oh, yeah, it held the world record for a long time. Home Alone. Yeah. Yeah. Home so, yeah. yep. Um, what do you remember about Home Alone? I mean, everything, because uh, as a Home Alone freak from the previous site, if you go back and listen to our last episode, you'll know that I, as a child, watched Home Alone uh, quite a few times, including, I think, three times in the theater it was the number that I committed to when sure. I uh, said right. that. So I was uh, big into Home Alone 2, as you might expect, because I was the perfect age for it, right? So I know everything. What I wrote down is basically, uh, it doesn't... I mean, did you write anything down? I did. Okay. What do you remember? This is a complete rehash of the Home Alone, but set in New York! Exclamation point. Oh, wow. We literally wrote the same thing, basically. It's sequel time. Let's repeat all the beats that worked from the first movie, but in New York bigger yeah we're pretty, yeah pretty much on right yep um i will share that uh the op- i just saw this movie on opening night but i did not go with my mother or my father my brother actually took me what to no. Home Alone how do you remember that lost in new york i remember i went to, we went to the i remember the theater we went to and i remember you him remember? let's call him up making a deal probably not maybe he would i don't know i i think maybe because it might have been like thanksgiving week and he it was just something that he he must have secretly wanted to go or let's see how old were you and what year did this come out 92 so yeah. you were like eight yeah eight years old so he was 16 but he took me, and that was like he Aww, that would never what a nice brother. He would never, I mean, not usually do that. So that was something that he, he was uh, probably being punished for something. He did, maybe. They were probably like, "God damn it, Shane, take your little brother home alone." But too. I and I think it was a good opportunity because I'm pretty sure that I ended up then later seeing it with my mom and dad, like a few de- days later, or maybe like a week or two later, like after you know Thanksgiving and Here's stuff. Here's the question I have for you: yeah. Was your brother? Did he actually sit with you in the movie, or did he just drop you off, pretend he sat through the movie with you, and then did something very bad? I have no memory exactly, but I don't think he. Mm-hmm. I think he was there. I'm pretty sure I would remember sure if he you wasn't would. there. No, I'm pretty sure. I mean, you were eight, so you probably would remember if you were left alone in the Home Alone movie. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I could see that. See I, I could there? see what you did there. Okay. Do you remember when was? Do you remember last time? Do you, do you remember when you saw it? I think this was like a VHS Rental. on TV yeah. sort of viewing experience for our family. Yeah. Because, I mean, ever, listen, if you saw that first Home Alone, uh, and maybe Actually, you didn't go to the theater, but eventually you're going to see Home Alone too. Yeah. Legit, though, I think I only saw it like once growing up. Mm. I don't think my fifth parents or any of my aunts were like a fan of the Home Alone series. They didn't like the the implication. Yeah. Although uh, we were Joe Pesci fans. Because you were my cousin Vinny, you were a my name? cousin Vinny fan, and what's his name, and a City Slickers fan yes. with Daniel Stern. But That's interesting. Home Alone wasn't wasn't in the cycle. You guys right, it was too kitty. Yeah, I guess you maybe know? that's why it is not. Uh, it is for children. It's for children. other than the mur- vicious murder at the end of the movie. My parents don't mess around with that shit. There's so much murder at the end of the movie. Although no one gets murdered, they should be murdered <laughs> because the pranks this time around far more dangerous. Yeah, I feel like I read an article where like Entertainment Weekly or one of those bigger magazines yeah. partnered with a couple doctors and they were like, "No, you'd be dead." Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, that's one of my topics is okay. to discuss that whole sequence. Sure, but sure, uh, sure, sure. but I think what's important to to really. Um, to, to push home on this is that I almost I almost find it impressive how they manage to to thread this needle. <laughs> I do because they what they wanted to do, what they set out to do, right, is to give everybody exactly what they liked about the first movie on a bigger slash slightly different scale, but also be comfortable in what it is exactly, right? Mm-hmm. 
The easiest way to do that, by the way, the easiest way is to just, like, get a new kid and do the whole scenario again. In fact, that's what they do for Home Alone 3, which yes. went horribly. But that's easy, right? But to get the same kid to go into a similar situation and then change the location and then add the same bad guys in, that is going to take a spectacular amount of uh, uh, convenience and exposition. And I got to admit... I think it's kind of impressive, like, the lengths this movie goes to to get it exactly to the same movie, Mm -hmm. just in a different location. Mm -hmm. It's kind of impressive. I don't know if impressive's (laughs) the word, but it's something. Because it, like, if you, like, piece it together, you're like, all right, that's ridiculous. But they took the time. That's an airtight scenario right there. But they took the time to, to kind of flush it out. And it starts with just, like... Well, they clearly appreciate this kid. Now they're not gonna like get in some kind of uh, upset moment with them, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, sure enough, we get this whole scenario again where Buzz is being uh, a turd bike. Now that's this is pretty pretty insane. The 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 inciting incident why Kevin is not on good terms with his family is because Buzz, who's a fucking monster, right? He's a bigger monster in this movie than he was even that last one, right? They are at a a church. Doing their Christmas concert, I guess. Yep. And Kevin has a solo, and Buzz is in the choir, which I think I I don't think he, this this person would be allowed in the church personally. He'd be set on fire right when he'd walk in because he's a fucking demon. But uh, uh, he's a bad dude. Buzz is a bad guy. Bad guy, right? Or is he just the epitome of all older brothers? He's a shithead. I do. There's a couple things in the hotel at the end of the movie I do like what he does. I mean, but should we really make the movie from Buzz's perspective? I mean, we're doing Cobra Kai, or we're doing it from the perspective Karate Kid, the different angle. Why not? Let's see. We can see a buzz angle from this movie, mm-hmm. right? Um, that's, anyway, that's the story I'm interested. He's in. making fun of him behind the singing, he's right? Like giving him bunny ears with the electric candles, drum sticking and stuff. And so Kevin notices this, does the correct thing, I feel like, and Me shoves too. him. One hundred percent justified. You give that bastard a little pushy push, and then of course it just causes a, a collapse of everybody, including like a effect. tree falling on the pianist, and then the carts, court, the curtains going up, and I mean it's a disaster. But uh, he's not in the wrong. But it is a complete rehash of the pizza soda scene. It is just on a bigger, larger scale. Bigger. Bigger. Mm-hmm. Never mind that he's got several other siblings that barely have anything to ever do. They all fucking they never, hate him too. They never bother him though in the moment, I guess. So then uh, Buzz does this. They must have thought that this guy was like, but this this guy, this guy playing Buzz, could be a star because he's got a few of these. Like he's not in the movie a lot, but he's like got these showcase scenes where he's mm-hmm. like trying to like, ladies and gentlemen of the jury, I just want to apologize to my brother, and they do this bullshit thing, right? And Kevin doesn't, he, he thinks, he calls him a trout sniffer under his breath. So, of course, Kevin doesn't buy it, right? Yep. But see, they're all going to Florida this time. And instead of being, he doesn't want to be left alone. Kevin doesn't want to be left alone. He's like, I want to go on my own vacation alone. And Catherine O'Hara, who, God, she's a fucking MVP of these movies. I swear to God. She's so good at she's just, everything she does. She's just trying to hold, she's, she's elevating it in every scene, right? But she's like, well, you got your wish last year. Maybe this will come true this year, right? But then you think, well, listen, how are they going to do this again? But if you think about this airport sequence, even it's kick place in 1992. Even if you for, fast forward this plot to 2019, the year of our Lord, 2019, it's it, it's plausible. It is. If you take away the whole security thing, right? Because 
you could assume that this whole mix-up where he loses his dad takes place after security, right? Mm -hmm. So they've already had to show their ID, right? Mm -hmm. And they've done all that, right? Mm -hmm. He's trying to put... By the way, do you remember this this toy that he has, which becomes a plot point several times? It's a recording device, but it has a big... It had a big old extended, like, a... microphone out it was like a talk boy what is it? i can't remember the yeah. name of it yeah and it was branded it was out before the movie came out and you could buy one for christmas that year right but it wasn't just a recorder because you could like slow the voice down mm-hmm. and speed the voice up and he records uncle frank in the shower and he uncle frank calls him a nosy little pervert and uh you know all that that'll come yes. into play again later because it's all this stuff everything that happens in the first it's airtight i'm telling you it's ridiculous but it's all threaded Right? Yeah, it's it's airtight. It's all threaded, but so he he he's getting batteries from his bag from his dad's bag, who's got his money in there. He's got credit cards in there, right? The thing he's gonna need later in the movie to get through everything else, right? Mm-hmm. And this guy, he's got a John Hurd, rest in peace. He's got a very generic looking uh, jacket, the Red O'Hare Airport, and Kevin puts the batteries in, and loses sight of his dad, looks up, and he sees this other guy, doesn't notice the Geraldo uh, mustache on him, obviously, and he starts following them to a different gate, right? Perfectly plausible. If you're in a hurry at the airport, because, by the way, they slept in again, and rather than saying we slept into the camera and screaming, John Hurd and Catherine O'Hara yelled, uh, we did it again, ran, went, come back into the frame to scream, because we're doing it all, right? We're doing it all twice, rethreading. But so they're going through the. You're looking at me like this. I'm, I'm just crazy. Listening. Go for it. Yep. It works because what happens at the the when he gets to the 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 gate? He smashes into the flight attendant. All the tickets go everywhere. His ticket and all the ladies' tickets fly everywhere, and they're about ready to close the door. And they are all over the place, yep. right? They're everywhere. And again, this is American Airlines again, who have oddly continued to do this partnership where they complete, they keep fucking up. Yeah, we lose people. It's fine. <laughs> we didn't, we didn't book. One kid didn't get on. Like we, just, like, they don't give a shit, right? Yeah, we'll make sure all your kids get on. Yeah. Not. So, like, she loses the tickets. The lady, the attendant, is like, ah, he lost his tickets somewhere in here, and they're, they want to leave, right? So the other guy's like, bored him, but make sure he locates his family first. Like, okay, if you just go off of, like, now granted, once this happens, in today's world, both of those employees are fired, right? They've let someone on. It's a security issue. TSA is talking to him, right? But in that scenario, you could plausibly see a, a flight attendant or a person at the gate being like, God, find your dad. Okay, let's go on. Oh, I see him right there. There's my dad. Okay, sit down. And then we'll like, sort the tickets out later. They gotta go. Plausible. Yep. Plausible. And this family always gets seats that aren't next to each other. Because oh, they never... They're so rich. They're <laughs> right? so They've got a rich. giant house. They can take their... They can afford to take un- cheapskate Uncle Frank uh, to France last year. In for, first class. And for, for all the... Yeah, the adults in first class. All the adults are flying in first class. Right. But we couldn't get the kids to fucking sit next to each other. And they're all sitting in different spots, yeah. yeah. And they're not checking on any of them, even though they're all, some of them are, like, 10 years old. Even, like, like Kevin in the first movie is a young kid. Like, yeah. he can't pack his suitcase, and they don't even, like... I know, granted, in the middle of the flight, she starts thinking about her kids. But she doesn't think about them until they're well off them. And, I mean, I have a lot of kids. Yeah. And I think when my youngest is maybe eight, his age, maybe I'll be that to that point where I'm just like, whatever, I'm sure they're all on here. She has five. We have four. So it's not that far off. I mean, they're traveling. Why would you ever travel with some more people than you already? You already have seven people in your family. Like, yeah, let's bring in the fucking... Uh, Aunt and uncle and their <sighs> goddamn kids, too. And your uncle's an asshole. Like, no, yeah. don't give that guy anything, right? Yep. 
So uh, Kevin goes on the plane to New York. The family goes to Florida. They don't realize until they're getting bags. And they do a little bit where they're like handing the bag down. Passing Kevin's bag not here. Kevin? Kevin's yeah. not here. Buzzes off in deep thought. Um, and Kevin, again, goes and talks to another famous flight attendant. This is the second uh, in the first movie. It was Hope Davis. French Hope Davis helping out uh, Catherine O'Hara in this movie. It's Julie Bowen before Modern Family, before Happy Gilmore mm-hmm. uh, in New York. And she's like, he's like, what city is that over there? And she goes, that's New York, sir. And he realizes it's New York. And rather than tell anybody, he's like, eh, I got credit cards. I got cash. Let's do this. Let's party. What an interesting choice. Kid's a fucking asshole. <laughs> is that your deciding point? Yeah. He's not immediately like, I've been separated from my family. Think about the repercussions here. And he know that's my other question I have for you. Because in the first movie, it is insinuated that he believes that he's wished his family away, right? And that he's done the wrong thing to make them go away. So is he under the impression, again, that he has wished this upon himself? Or did someone at some point in, over the course of the year explain to him, was like, well, no, actually, we just forgot you. And we were in France. Like, he must have figured it, this out. It felt like in the first movie, he grew as a character. Right. To miss his family and love them and not take them for granted. And now we've undone all of that. Because he's like, fuck it. I'm going on vacation by myself. To New York. Like, pretty before, like, they fixed Times Square, too, Instead right? Instead of being like, <laughs> oh, that's New York? Ma'am, I've been separated from my parents. Yeah, it's an interesting choice. He's a fucking asshole. So that, I, but listen, I'm just saying that the efforts that this movie goes to, to thread this, to get them separated, I think, while not plausible per se, impressive in the detail. And the money and getting everything set up where he could realistically survive in a big city for a little while. Uh, We have your favorite scene after that, somewhere around there where the parents who have realized what they've done, they go to the police department and they make your, your favorite, uh, your favorite gag. Yeah, they're talking about uh, he's home alone, and the officer's like, has this ever happened before? And they're like, well, actually, yeah. And uh, and then they make, Catherine O'Hare makes a joke, or the dad does, of like, but we've never, you know, uh, all this has happened, but we've never lost our luggage before. And they start and they laughing. Start laughing. And then they knock on wood. They yeah. knock on... <laughs> They the knocked table, on the, the wooden table. desk. Oh my god, it was so funny. And the cop is just like... You fucking dicks. Well, yeah, like, this is... That's the thing. Like, CPS has followed up with them last year for a good couple months. They've had supervisors. There's been some visitation from Man. an officer last year. No one gives a this... shit about kids. Wow, I don't know. Dogs. Now if a dog went missing <laughs> or left in a car alone... Now, now we'd have some fucking authorities. That's a hot opinion. You're 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 pro leaving a dog in the. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. If we redid this movie, yeah, with a fucking dog, right? I think the outcry from the officers and the citizens involved would be a lot more intense. Well, that's the thing. It seems no one does. No one seems to really care. No one gives a shit. In the first movie, they're like the the police are like the kid lost the lady lost her kid. Tell them to count the kids again. There's no one in this house. Count the kids. I knocked on the door. Nobody fucking answered. Just like two minutes went by. And then this Jesus. other thing, I mean, I granted, in New York, there's a lot of other, like, bigger things going on, but, like, I don't know. It's pretty insane. Again, dogs over kids. All right, my next topic I want to, again, like, I know this movie very well. Uh, at bef- five minutes before the ending, I gave you the exact number of the price of the uh, room did. service bill. I witnessed it. It was very impressive. $967. I did not know if the 40, actually, in my brain, I will say that I thought it was 43 cents, but I didn't want to be wrong, so I didn't say it. But it is $967. Because the dad goes, 
Kevin, you spent $967 on room service, and that's the tag of the movie. Anyway, that's skipping ahead. Well, I do want to talk about that thread, which is the Plaza Hotel. Another product. I mean, it, this is a famous hotel. It was famous then. It's still famous, I would imagine, right? Mm-hmm. And and it, it's 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 depicted beautifully, right? It's a gorgeous hotel, cream of the crop in New York, right? Yep. And yet, so that's good. That's that's a positive uh, positive public image, right? Yep. And yet, the movie depends depends on the hotel having the shittiest, worst employees on the planet, right? People that you just wouldn't want working at your hotel, right? I mean, but I mean. People are stupid, though. <laughs> I work with plenty of stupid people. Yeah, do you? But I, what I'm saying is, is that like, they're not like, but in in ways that you wouldn't want a hotel. Tim Curry is very nosy. <laughs> He's breaking into the room to see in what's all going the wrong on. Ways. Here. Oh yeah. Like his his sixth sense that something is off. Right. Is a hundred percent accurate. Correct. He's right off. But he thinks that like this kid is like some evil villain. <laughs> yeah, he's like, I'm gonna break into that room. No, I think you guys probably have a process and a policy for this. Like you ask some other questions. You figure out like, is he by himself? Let's figure this out. Let's not like accuse him of credit card theft when that comes about. Yeah. Don't sneak into the room and then like have this whole yeah. anyway, it's insane mm-hmm. that there's just constant and it's by the way, it's a lesson this hotel does not learn because because what happens at the end of the movie, I will tell you. After Kevin, spoiler alert, saves the toy store's money from the sticky bandits, mm-hmm. Mr. Duncan realizes that it was Kevin, discovers that he's at the Plaza Hotel, and what they do overnight is that they go into the room, this Again. giant room. Break in and they break. They just do that when everybody's sleeping, when 15 people are sleeping in this suite, Children, and put a bunch of... A bunch of kids are sleeping And put a bunch room. of presents under the tree. A nice gesture, but... You're breaking into the room again. Also, I've heard a hotel door close. They yeah. don't close quietly. Well, do they not have the bar? No chain? Like, what are we doing what here? You guys hell? aren't worried about it? Creepy. Especially since the rumors of, like, a mad gunman that probably percolated through that hotel the day before. They probably heard about that and, like, lock your doors. There's, like, mad gunman on the, on the whatever, the Herbert Hoover floor or whatever, right? Sure. Uh, Rob Schneider says that Herbert sure. Hoover once stayed mm-hmm. on the floor and Kevin's like, the vacuum guy? The vacuum guy? Yeah. These are all things that I know about this movie that I can recite. Why are you mumbling all of a sudden? I just like the movie a lot, uh, even though it's not very good. Aww, you love it. I do love it because it is like... Uh, if this movie were one of our children, which child is it? It's 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 Elliot. It's the second child. Oh, it's no. the one that you're like, oh, it's not a good movie, <laughs> no, 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 but no. I love it. <laughs> no, just kidding. <laughs> no, he's just, I just went off the number two. But, um, sure, sure. Because that would make Sawyer Home Alone 3, and I don't think that's fair to Sawyer, but... Um, what are you so gonna do? So, which kids Home Alone one? <laughs> well, I was just going in order of the release date. So, mm-hmm. isn't I think there's a fourth one that's like a spinoff. It's called like Taking Back the House or whatever. That was a straight to video. Have not mm-hmm. watched that one. That one is apparently the McAllister family again, but recast. Hmm. I haven't watched it. But no, the hotel. Oh, and we okay. So, do we need to mention the the, the elephant in the room here? Nope. We don't. You want to mention it? There's a cameo by our current president. Donald Trump was the owner of the Plaza Hotel at the time. Months before he claimed file for bankruptcy <laughs> and was not the uh, owner of the Plaza Hotel. I'm not going to touch that. Uh, but he shows up in the lobby you can Google it. and uh, just makes an awful... This was during a time period where he was appearing in a lot of movies. He was on like, The Little Rascals at this point. And um, anyway, it's, it's inconsequential to the movie. It's just like a cameo from the owner, whatever. But I would say that it doesn't... 
I'm just saying that I don't think the business decision of letting this movie film in the Plaza Hotel and depict their staff like this is a reasonable business uh, decision. That's just my uh, two cents on that. And that's all I'll say. But that's in the movie. He's right there. Yep. And I will just say this. I'll say this. Mm-hmm. Either way you look, if you're a Republican, if you're a Democrat, if you voted for him, if you did not vote for him, mm-hmm. I'll just say this. Had you can you can, there's a through line here whether you like the president or you don't if he is more successful in movies and being in these uh, movies and getting bigger roles he doesn't go the other way if he stays on the apprentice and nbc says yeah we want to have this show on forever this is our survivor he would be on television and not in the white house now Whatever you feel about that, that's up to you. But that's, you should really, if you want to celebrate our president or uh, be angry with somebody about our president, I would say talk to 20th Century Fox, the people who made this movie, and uh, NBC Universal uh, for not renewing his show. So what I hear you saying is that on the Berenstein timeline. Right. We could be on a different timeline different. where he is a he is like a star on the level of uh, uh, I don't know if I would say he was never going to be like a Tom Cruise, but who who would... If if he was a, a star, if this was kind of like a stepping stone, who like a like a Clive Owen is that too much, <laughs> or uh, maybe too much? Who am I thinking of? Uh, Joe Pe- Joe Pesci? Could he have a Joe Pesci career? Maybe if he like got into like a gangster movie and he played against type or something like that. You know, I don't know. Let's give you something. Mm-hmm. Just saying. Mm-hmm. That's all I'll say about that. What were we talking about? <laughs> Filing bankruptcy. Oh yeah. <laughs> Stop it. We're going to lose we're going to lose I readers. Mean, no. We're going to lose listeners. No, 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 no. We're not going to lose readers. Everybody readers. knows listeners, whatever they are, whatever you are. Okay. Uh Donald Trump says stop saying I went bankrupt. I never went bankrupt, but like many great business people have used the laws to corporate advantage. Smart. So you're referring to the Plaza Hotel in that regard? Uh, to the four his four big bankruptcies that weren't personal bankruptcies they oh. were business bankruptcies gotcha. which a lot of businesses claim bankruptcy that's true a lot of businesses do that as a corporate advantage it saves them fucking money we might yeah, yeah so we might get Toys R Us back because they filed uh, bankruptcy and they had to restructure I mean that's probably not gonna happen there are there's some Toys R Us's in Canada we're getting little pop-up I mean, shops are we also gonna get Sears back and JCPenney coming back I don't know uh, yeah anyway Hastings. Is that a thing that's uh, in more places They're than not the Northwest? Back. We have entertainment. Okay, so the other big threat of this is how are you going to get the wet bandits back to the movie, right? And this is pretty simple. About 40 minutes of the movie, they just... Uh, they just stick them on a fish truck and they come into town and they're like, we're in New York now. We broke out in Chicago. There's like a out. newspaper thing at the beginning where they break out, right? Yep. There's not a lot of effort there, but that's the part that you just... it's Yeah, okay, fine. And then it's like... What are we going to do now? Let's rob something. And then they happen to choose the toy shop that their nemesis uh, has grows an attachment to, finds out about. And it also happens to be about a block away from his uncle's uh, uh, renovated uh, apartment Very complex where he can uh, create a lot of traps. Very convenient. I mean, but, you know, that's that's what happens. It's the universe putting these people together, right? They are meant to be mm-hmm. together. They're meant to, to this happen. If you believe in, listen, there are no, there are no accidents. There are no, there's no heroes that can be anywhere. They, you're either a Skywalker or you're Whoa. not. And that's it. You're gonna, you can't be, you have to be, there's, there's a certain people that are better, right? Whoa. <laughs> what are you talking about? Just, I'm riffing for fun. 
I'm just, I'm just, I mean, I'm, I'm just saying that the Home Alone movie is buying into this thing that the universe is connected, and there are certain people like a Kevin McAllister that are destined well, for fighting these two men. But like, what's the conversation that Kevin? Now you know this movie better than I do, and I wasn't watching it. I know this movie better than most people. What would you say was the gist of the conversation that little Kevin had with the bird lady? The gist of the conversation? Yeah, like, what was the... He was partaking a lot of his... He was sharing a lot of his, like, philosophies about life and love and kindness. Some some context. In the first Home Alone movie, there's a neighbor, old man Marley, scary-looking guy. Buzz tells him some stories about bodies being in his garbage can, right? Mm -hmm. So this movie, because it's the same movie, Mm -hmm. they need to have a new scary person, and they choose to have it be this... A bird lady. A bird lady. Brenda Fricker. Uh, Frick, and Brenda Fricker. She's an Oscar winner, uh, and she's in the movie. She's not scary looking, and yet I think because of the birds, Kevin is scared of her. Yeah. Because later, look, later in the movie when he gets kicked out of the hotel, uh, he goes on the street and he meets a lot of scary people, scarier people, including like the the taxi cab driver is like he's like it's scary out there, and the, the taxi driver who listen this would be pretty funny if a taxi driver did this to a kid totally. who, who looks like this guy because he's got like warts on his face he's like yep. he's like not much better in here kid and he starts laughing at him what an amazing thing to do to a kid that's pretty funny pretty fantastic. <laughs> if you looked like that guy and you could like you could scare a little kid I mean you probably would right. Anyway, yeah, so she's, uh, you know, like in that movie, he eventually has, like, a heart-to-heart with this lady, mm-hmm. and they go to, like, the concert hall. They're hiding out in her, like, I, listen, I always assumed that she was homeless, but what if that's she her is. apartment? I don't know. I Maybe she's, she's got homeless. an apartment up there, because it's all, it's like, a lot of her stuff up there. No. The point is, she's got somewhere warm to go. Is she squatting there? And if she's squatting, does that make her homeless? I don't know. Yes. It does? Yeah. Kevin is talking to her about, um, she's closed herself off for unknown reasons. Mm-hmm. Sounds like oh, a horrible tragedy. she fell in love with someone, fell in love with a man who eventually fell in love with her. Right. As a result, she she refused to fall in love again. Yes. And stopped trusting others. Yeah. It's this very generic, uh, very vague story that she's telling this, uh, uh, young boy, Probably the real story is like I was married to a guy. I started collecting birds, and it like it started to become a problem. <laughs> like, oy, oy. And he was like, "I can't take this anymore. I can't have all these birds in my house." And she's like, "Fine, I'm leaving." Yeah. And then she left, and the birds stayed with her. Yep. But then Kevin equates it to uh, you should uh, you should try to put yourself out there, mm-hmm. be friendly. Mm-hmm. It's the ice. Oh, the, yeah. This is amazing. So this person who's uh, living on the street. Is getting some advice from an eight-year-old, oh, ten years old. Yeah, and he's like, "I had these new pair of roller oh, blades. I, I have, I have the conversation Amazing. right here. Great, I would love for you to play it." Okay. She says, "I'm just afraid if I do trust someone, I'll get my heart broken." Mm-hmm. Kevin says, "I understand. I had a nice pair of roller blades. I was afraid to wreck them, so I kept them in a box. Do you know what happened? I outgrew them. I never wore them outside. Only in my room a few times." A person's heart and feelings are very different than skates. No shit. That's what he says. Correct, what she says. lady. Correct. Yes. They're kind of the same thing. If you want to use your heart, who cares if it gets broken? <laughs> if you just keep it to yourself, maybe it'll be like my rollerblades. When you go decide to try it, it won't be any good. You should take a chance. Got nothing to lose. Hey, John Hughes, that's some really bad writing. <laughs> also, that is the conversation, the things that he tells her that convinces her to risk her life and jump in front of a gun <laughs> and mm-hmm. save this boy's mm-hmm. life in the middle of a park, by the way. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, wow. Then she tells him that it's been a couple of years since she's talked to anyone. Yeah. Well, the birds. She's been talking to the birds. That's something. She's not talking to nobody. She's talking to the birds. Yikes. Where'd she get all the seed? She's got a lot of seed. She collecting seed? Where'd she get the seed from? I don't think she's homeless. I think she lives up there. She's got a part-time job. They call her the bird lady at work, but she's like, whatever, I don't care. And she's just spending her weekends out at the park. That's my theory. I don't think she's homeless. Why would she be homeless? Just because she hangs out in the park with birds? That's that's insensitive, I think, to think that she's homeless. There's nothing that says she's homeless. Hmm. Tell me one fact. I, I'll have to dig into Other that. than the birds <laughs> living on her. Uh, yeah. Other than her being in there in the middle of the night. Uh, on Christmas Eve. I just really think that if Kevin McAllister is so wise and uh, such an open and compassionate heart, maybe you should take it easy on these burglars. <laughs> you should take it easy on the burglars. They clearly had a tough time in life as well. Or, you know, not like throw a hissy fit when you get in trouble with your parents. Like, I'm going to take a trip myself. And then when he gets the opportunity, he's like, I'm not going to tell anybody because I'm smart. Yep. The bird from Home Alone 2 is homeless. Lessons in how Angela searches the internet. There's pro- I would not be surprised if there is an extensive article about this by somebody on the internet. Because what happened to the pigeon lady? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Fan theories. The pigeon lady is a famous musician. Now, there's no bigger part of uh, rethreading that this movie does, other than the ending with the traps, than the uh, movie within a movie sequence at the Plaza Hotel after he goes to the toy shop and gets... Uh, Caught with the credit card. So, by the way, Tim Curry, once he discovers the credit card has been stolen or frozen, he sends the, he sent a limo because he snuck into the, sneaking up on uh, the balloon Uncle Frank that he set up. By the way, he sets up the, you never in the first movie, of course, when he sets up a party to trick the bad, bad burglars that there's people living there. In this movie, he uh, builds out of a blow-up clown mm-hmm. and with some just levers and strings is able to, with a recording of his Uncle Frank, uh, build this within seconds of a, a believable shadow of a man in a shower singing, in which Tim Curry, by the way, still hearing someone in the shower singing, just decides to open the bathroom door to make sure it's like yeah. a guy. You're fucking fired. That's and a big arrested. time problem. Yeah, how does he have his You're job the next morning? Breaking and entering. Right. Lewd and lascivious conduct right. by trying to see someone naked. Calls him a nosy little pervert. Yep. Anyway, but it's impressive that Kevin manages to. Uh, to uh, to do this, it's very impressive. He's got some mechanical skills beyond measure. But anyway, Tim Curry he takes the limo away so that the kid has to figure out how to get back to the hotel, which I guess he does. Mm-hmm. And then confronts them angrily, including getting the security guy Cliff. I mean, there's these people are terrible. They do the little slide thing mm-hmm. to the elevator and they collapse. And Rob Schneider's falling over the place. And then they do the 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 gangster movie uh rehash where he plays the clip again and it is uh it's a stretch i what i like about the rethread here is that they're barely pretending that it it works right because it's always like these uh it's this whole concept of like get down on your knees and tell me you love me and then the people do it it's it's less believable than the pizza guy ordering pizza and be like you have to pay for your pizza sir yep but the movie almost doesn't seem to uh to care it's just like, yeah, no, you liked this from the last movie, so why don't we just kind of do it again? We'll throw in a little gay panic for fun, uh, because uh, they tell Tim Curry that he's been smooching with everybody. Cheeks, Bony Bob, uh, a couple other ones, Cliff, and then that's the security guy's name. And then we get the machine gun, where he's managed to turn the television on so loud that they are jumping out into the hallway and telling the people there's a madman with a gun on yep. their floor. 
and he escapes, but of course runs right into those wet bandits, now known as the Sticky Bandits, because Daniel Stern has put a sticky thing on his hand to steal yes, coins, correct. because that's and hats from people while ice skating. So there's a fun theory about the pigeon lady. Oh, good. There is a comment or something where she reveals she hasn't always been homeless. That's what kicks off the conversation. I wasn't always like this, I think she says. Mm, I mean, I'm going to have to find the actual story. I thought it was like, I, was, I wasn't always living like this. I don't think she necessarily says homeless. Homeless? I would, I, if we ever did any research, Once we could do this Once upon a time, beforehand. she had a job and a family, but divorced after her husband fell out of love with her. So, there is an internet fan theory okay. that her ex-husband is Mr. Duncan. Oh! Mm-hmm. 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 Where is there? There's no evidence of this. <laughs> well, he does reveal to Kevin that he quite likes turtle doves. <laughs> because... He even gives him the ornament featuring the birds. The pigeon lady also has a thing for birds. She's almost constantly surrounded by them. She later takes Kevin to a hidden attic space in Carnegie Hall to catch a Carnegie symphony, Hall. I couldn't think of it. And name. tells him she's seen everybody from Pavarotti to Frank Sinatra perform downstairs. Blah, blah, blah. So maybe, just maybe, the presumably quite wealthy Duncan is her ex. After all, he could probably afford lots of tickets to concerts at Carnegie Hall. He also wears a wedding band. Maybe he never quite got over his marriage to the pigeon lady. And they hook back up later. After she uses her... Oh, and they hook back up after she maybe uses her pigeons to horrifically murder the web bandits in Central Park. Love making. Love makes anything possible. So... This is coming from a guy that has a podcast in which he recorded two hours on the first Home Alone and is probably already clocking in over an hour now. Yeah. Uh, there's too much bullshit on the internet. That is so stupid. <laughs> there's no evidence. I like the fun, imaginative I know, but people stuff. roll with this shit. It's, it's, I, I mean, I, You're no when fun. did that, when did that publish? You're just no fun. When did it publish? I'm looking. This I bl- I blame this on Christopher Nolan. He fucking made a t- a top spin slightly a little bit longer than it should have in Inception. Everybody thinks everybody's a fucking sleuth now when it comes to every movie on Earth. Jesus Christ! You <laughs> just don't let anybody have any fun. There's no evidence for that, though. There doesn't have to be evidence. It's called just a fun fan that's theory. Fan fiction. It's not a fan theory. That's fan fiction. If we want to call I'm it fan, closing my laptop. You're just no fun. You suck all the joy out. It's of It's a everything. fan fiction. It's a fan fiction. It's not a fan theory. As fan fiction, I kind of like it, though. Because it is... Uh, ooh. Mr. Duncan seems older than uh, Pigeon Lady. Does she get a name in the movie? <laughs> I don't know. Great. Um, Try, way, to, way to roll it back. You want to hear some other terrible uh, fan, ther- fan fictions? Yeah, I love it. I'll just give you the headlines. Okay. Um, Home Alone proves that Elvis Presley didn't die in 1977. Oh, I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't even need to dive into that. Kevin grew up to become Jigsaw in the Saw movies. Oh my fucking god! Okay. <laughs> Kevin's father tossed out his plane ticket on purpose and wanted to kill him. We <laughs> well, he threw it in. The, I actually like that one because in the in the first movie, there is a shot of his ticket getting thrown, his passport or his ticket getting thrown in the garbage, so they would be missing one or whatever. So I actually, like, yeah, that I one we, I love. He that. wanted to throw his ticket away so he could kill yeah. that. I would, that one's good. <laughs> I like that more than like the jigsaw. That's so stupid. According though. to that theory, though, Peter also hired the web bandits to rob the house without telling them Kevin would be there. That assuming they panic and kill him. This is plot. That's more plausible. <laughs> These are more plausible scenarios. Peter. That is something that would be a Dateline special yeah. that yeah. you could watch. And be like, oh yeah, oh like that God, would be amazing. Even um, if it didn't happen, it would be like the theory that gets rolled around, right? Peter might also be in the mafia. 
That's yep. the dad, right? He's got a lot of money. He's got a lot of mystery money. He's part of the Irishman. He's the in the for house. Them. I mean, we talked about that house. Is it like a very multi-million dollar home? It's own? gigantic. I know. No, and, he's, but, I mean, he's got he, money. Here's a lot of cash, too. Oh, yeah, a ton of I cash. I mean, just a shit It was 1992 when you travel. You needed more cash than you do nowadays. That's true. That's, that's yeah, fair. Yeah, unless you're a mobster who avoids the banks, right? You gotta have a lot of cash. You know what's funny, by the way? Uh, I, what I love about, uh, not necessarily Home Alone 2, but Home Alone 1, because we did watch a little bit of that again the other night, uh... Every time it's on, I always catch something that I really like, even though I probably heard it a thousand times. But when, like, the beginning when he, uh, uh, they're paying for pizza, mm-hmm. and Frank is like, I was like, don't you have any cash, Frank? He's like, traveler's checks. And then, uh, Peter, there's an offhand off, it's not, it's like an ADR line where he's like, I bet you got the kind of traveler's checks that don't work in France. <laughs> <laughs> like, I love that, that that's the, he said that. He, everybody knows he's a cheapskate, but I've never noticed that line like that much. I love it. Similar to the, the dad theory, it's no wait, Uncle Frank is the real criminal. And someone yeah. else's theory was that he concocted everything in the first movie to get him killed. Well, I love this, but it's now time for a game. Okay. It's called Angela Explains It All. No. Na, 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 na. Na, 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 na. I think this is pretty easy. Okay. Because I want you, because we're, we're at the point where I think we just need to talk about uh, the ending, where we do the rehash of the, the pranks. I want, I'm going to give you a timer. I want to see how many of the pranks that you can pull uh, from watching. this movie. I literally was cooking jalapeno poppers. You got one minute to tell me cl- things that are... Don't. Close it. Pranks in Clo- Home Alone Close it. Too. Close it. You can't do that. Don't Why? cheat. But because that's it's my cheating. brain. I'm a millennial. No, you can't. It's not a game. Just close my laptop. It's not, it's it's not so a game. Rude. It's not a game if you don't try to do it. But I'm, I'm going to buzz you if you uh, say one from the first movie. Okay? Ready? I'm going to pretend I to start a timer. I'm telling you I wasn't watching this. Isn't it fair? I'm pretending to start a timer. Okay. Remember that there's a lot of murder. That probably helps you. Just think okay. about murder. Ready, okay. set, go. I all, I all I watched this time was the paint can one where he fakes throwing two paint cans mm-hmm. down. And then... That's one. That's two. And then throws a big piece of metal... It's like a pipe. Bar ...pipe thing and hits them both. And then where do they go? I don't know. They fall down. They fall down where? The stairs. Not just the stairs. What else is at the bottom of the stairs? I don't know. A giant hole because there's planks out because they're renovating the apartment. Oh, okay. Um, I feel like there's lighter fluid and there's always lighter and fluid. Burning. <laughs> there's burning involved. Um, that's in both movies. Be more specific. Uh, he tries to put his his burning head out in the toilet, which is full of lighter fluid. That's a good one. Our <laughs> our son Elliot thought that was really funny, and I was like, "He's dead, son." <laughs> He's dead. Which is probably why Elliot was asking about what happens when you die today. Well, there's a lot of death. Question. We told him like because every time there's a prank in this movie, we're like, "That would kill that person." Just so you know, yeah. don't ever do that. So I mean, we we're feeling like these movies aren't affecting our children, but I mean, it has brought up the question of. Where do we go when we die? Keep, you're just you're sidestepping. You can move on to that in a minute. Give me some more pranks from uh, traps from Home Alone Two, Lost in New York. Uh, uh, nails? Are there nails in this one? <laughs> there's home renovation. I'm assuming there is nails. I don't think so. I don't think there's nails in this one. That's in the first movie. Uh, that's all I got. There's the. <laughs> that's all I was watching. I was cooking for the holiday party. That's true. Okay. Um. Well, the first one, I think, the, well, other than, yeah, like... let me Google it real quick. Other than when uh, he throws the brick through the window and gets them to uh, 
a catapult. Uh, Joe Pe- is it Joe? Who gets catapulted? Oh, Joe Pesci. Like they managed to use a teeter totter to catapult him like about thirty feet in the air, and hit a car. The real pranks begin with uh, he goes to the top of this building that his uncle has been renovating, but has left in shambles. Mm-hmm. It's just like a falling apart, mm-hmm. and he's chucking bricks from three stories up mm-hmm. uh, down on their heads. Uh, three bricks okay. land. I'm gonna, you know, I'm just gonna interrupt you, okay? Because this is a fun prank you're describing. The the bricks are fun. Yeah, three bricks to the head to Daniel Stern. Three bricks. <laughs> um, I have to refill my coffee. Oh, okay. I mean my tea. You're interrupting so, me. You're just going to... Okay, let's just do what you want to do. Yeah. <laughs> blah, blah, blah. You bombed your game, but oh yeah, try to get me to play a game now. All right. Which Home Alone movie was this prank from? Okay. And there's 25. Are you... Is it called Tea Time with Tyler? Yes. Do If you're going to do this segment, do it. I did the song for mine. Welcome to Tea Time with Tyler. Well, ma- well, Mama. <laughs> mama. That's how you refer to yourself for our children. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Where Mama refills her tea. And all those... Uh, you're going to get all those political hate emails, and now yeah. this, too. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. Wait, what? Because you're trashing uh, America earlier. No, I didn't. Yeah, you're in. Like, I, I was defending America. Oh, okay. Sure you were. And saying that he's sure. a great businessman. <laughs> okay. Great. Stop it. Businessman. Stop it. So this is the point where I fill up my tea mm-hmm. cup yeah. with hot water okay. so I can drink more tea. Okay. Okay. And then you have to answer my questions. Okay. I don't know how I'm going to do this, but I'm going to try. Just pretend you're drying the tea. Are you right now? No one can see this. But I need the tea sound. Okay. Okay. There's just titles. I don't think I'll need to describe. Okay. But I will if you need me to. Okay. The Feather Coat. The Feather... The first movie. That's Home Alone 1, Yeah. can say. Home Alone 1. The Tripwire. The Tripwire. Uh, Home Alone 1. Oh, yeah. The one upstairs? Sure. And the, yeah, the tarantula? Yeah. The staple gun. One. Are they just in order? False. Home Alone 2. You fucked that up. The sta- Oh, the staple gun? The staple gun. It's a staple... Oh, yeah, that is a sequel. That's a sequel. Gun. He gets, like, one in the... Yeah. The tarantula. The one. Improvised caltrops. What is that? What? Damage type. Incapacitating. What? What are those? What are you Glass saying? Glass bobbles by the window? That's one. The shovel to the face. That's one. The BB gun to the groin. One. The bird seed shroud. That's two. <laughs> the ball busting shelf. The ball busting shelf. Mm-hmm. The ball busting shelf? What is that? How, what are they referring to it as? You can't fail to win poor Marv's troubles here, slipping his way groin first into a shelf of paint. Two. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, all that paint. The yeah. cascading concrete powder. The cascading... Uh, that's two. Mm-hmm. He's pulling Damage it from type, the hole. gravity-induced trauma. Yeah, dead. He'd be dead for that one, too, because the cement bags are very heavy. The tumbling toolkit. That would... The tools... Bo- the giant toolbox? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's fun, because it goes through, like, a door and shoves them. Very, very Looney Tunes cartoonish. This movie's a little bit more cartoonish. Yep. Uh, the tar. The tar is in the first movie. The slippery staircase. The slippery, that's number one. Ice. The scalding hot handle. One. He is te- testing all of the knobs in the sequel. The He's hidden smart nail. enough for that. That's one. <laughs> that was like a bad one. Yeah. The falling iron. The falling iron's one. The head blowtorch. That's one. See, all the good ones are in one. The well, rope cut. That, there's a, 
rope. Well, there's oh, a rope on fire. Down the rope well, there's a rope on fire in the sequel. Okay, they even do the rope, rope thing. The, even the rope is a retread. The slippery ladder. That would be two. The rope burn. Two. Yeah, two. Yep. Okay. Okay. The metal watch. Uh, what's a watch? I don't know. Pendulum trap. That's one oh, or two. Oh, that's what I two. described. The paint things. Okay. Oh, okay. Yep. The hat explosion. The hat explosion. Mm-hmm. The hat explosion? Mm-hmm. We're right before he dips his head into the toilet. Oh, okay. That's not a... Okay, fine. He had a blowtorch on his head. The electrocution? Then... Yeah, and like, by the way, that's if you really want to know the, the lengths this movie will go to, during the electrocution sequence, this actually frightened our children, for a couple of our children for a second. There's a brief shot where Daniel Stern turns into a skeleton with hair, because we're having fun comic comical-wise, and then turns back, right? Uh, yeah, that's in this God, movie. I no wonder Elliot's all confused. He's like this skeleton man electrifying. and Yeah, anyway. That's chilling. That's pretty sadistic. See, he'd be dead for that. Daniel Stern is the guy who's mostly dead in this because he gets three bricks to the head from a third story. The, the original Pink Pop Pedulum, first that's, movie. Yeah. And the brick throw. Yeah, the brick throw is pretty serious. So this is what you were just describing. What? The brick throw. He's up top, and he, he, first of all, he's got incredible aim. <laughs> I know. I feel like th- it'd be very difficult. I've watched a lot of episodes of The Letterman Show oh, late I night. you were going to say Blanco. Well, I can talk about that, too, because I'm an expert <laughs> on that. But The Late Show, they, for a while, they would throw things off the Ed Sullivan Theater. And, I mean, they would, I mean, mostly just to make a mess. But it's not easy. No. It's not easy to do. Even The Office, I think they were chucking watermelons or something like that off, too, remember? Yep. It's not easy. But mm-hmm. these bricks are very small, and a head, person's head is very small. To the point where, like, they even, when the, the the situation is reversed and Kevin's at the bottom and they're at the top, they chuck a brick at him, and he's easily able to dodge this. So he's got incredible aim, Yeah, I want to say. Yeah. But yeah, he gets nailed three different times in the head. He's dead. He's got to be dead. He's not dead. getting up anyway. He's going to the hospital. He's got brain damage For at sure. a minimum. Like, there's a crack skull involved, right? Yeah. And at this point, you'd think that these guys would just, like, Give call up. it a Give call it, it a up. Day. Like, they've already managed to break out of a prison in Chicago. Like, they, what is this kid going to do? They're worried because he's taking well, a picture they of them. Why like, kill the kid? They, they try to, and that's the do whole thing of this guns? movie. He has a gun in this movie. That's the whole point. He's like, I got a gun in my pocket. And he even says, like, you're going to be chewing bubblegum through your forehead at one point, which I thought I, I had to, like, say, that's an alarming line. It's PG, parental guidance on this movie. You're... Joe Pesci means business in this movie and tries to shoot him later, but has a goo and gunk all over it. That's the problem there. But, yeah, the things that would kill these guys, uh, when Pesci gets his head in the lighter fluid in the toilet, when he's already heads on fire, dead. Because uh, it explodes. There's an the explosion. They show an outside shot of the explosion. It, it explodes. Right. He wasn't on fire. It exploded. Three bricks uh, to the head. He's dead. Uh, the electrocution is dead. I feel like For some sure of these dead. falls into the pipe because he goes through. Uh, there's a couple stories where he falls down uh, all the way down to the basement. The cement to the head. That's a big. That's heavy. Heavy bag of cement that's coming from it's two floors break up. Break his fucking neck. He's gonna snap his neck back, right? By the way, we know these things kill because in the Equalizer with Denzel Washington, he sets a bunch of traps at Home Depot, and these guys are dispatched severely, and they're similar traps. So we know that the stuff's deadly. Totally. But I want to get. This is my my main uh, thing that I want to tell the children out there mm-hmm. before they plan start planning their own escapades against robbers, is that there is two movies. Two yep. movies of evidence that despite all the things that he does, all these traps to injure these people, both times his plan fails. Both times his plans 
to to get these guys caught are utter failures. The first one being he eventually gets caught at the second house, and they have to hang him up on the thing, and they're going to bite his finger. That's the first thing that Joe Pesci wants to do is bite his fingers off. Whatever. But in the second movie, he's about to get shot. The only reason he's not shot is because the gun is a uh, gag goo on it, right? Maybe mm-hmm. so that's that's maybe you could credit Kevin for doing that. But the point is, is that he slips on ice despite all these efforts of burning down their rope and not calling the cops soon enough. And doing all the things that he should do right off the bat, which is always just call the police, call the police, just call the police in. Don't be fucking around. You could have just caught the, you had their picture, you had their recording talking to them earlier with your talk boy of them going to robbing the place. Once you get the picture, you can run to a police station or any, or do the call right away. You have plenty of time. He's climbing up a thing. I mean, anyway, kids don't because he gets caught. And the only thing that saves him both times. Of all this nefarious shit, kid, this is the thing to take away. Not that you can do traps and catch your bad guys. I really like how serious you are right yeah. now. It's your kindness. You were kind to that old man, Marley, once you were stopped being afraid of him. And you were kind to Pigeon Lady. And you gave her some horrible, really insensitive advice. Uh, very simplistic. I feel like half the people in this world, this is how they think they should solve the homeless situation. Mm-hmm. Mm, not going to work. Uh, but, you know, she took it in, in the right way. And it's the kindness. She risks her life. She does. Because she lingers. She throws... Her, her plan is terrible, too, by the way. Like, she throws birdseed on them and they all attack with the birds. But she lingers in front of them with a gun pointed at her for a minute. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, she, they could have easily shot. Murder. Maybe because No one's going to miss struggles. a homeless murder lady. No, right? It's scary. She risks her life for him. And I think that that's important to convey because it was his kindness that, uh, now old man Marley didn't risk much by whacking those guys over. He had to jump on them. That was pretty good. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. Kevin, these Mm -hmm. plans don't work out, man. You do all this shit. It's pretty impressive. I thought like in the first movie he has, it seems like they suggest he has about an hour that he puts everything together. And I think that that's maybe he had some stuff planned out already. And then I thought, like, oh, God, this movie's like going to be... It's 9 o'clock. The, the bell's ringing. I was like, oh, fuck, he's going to do all this shit. And no, it's three hours because they don't go and rob the the, the toy shop until three midnight. Three hours is still a really long time. Like, I, I can barely pull off one craft in three hours. Oh, you think it's not enough time is what you're saying? No. Yeah. There's a lot to do. He's like... He's like tying things and roping them up. He's very, How's very he resourceful. How's he getting to the fucking top of the ceiling to rope up his? Uh, it's very short. Oh, it's the banister they're swinging off of. But still, I mean, there's a lot of activity. I, you know what? He has to, he has to crawl up that um, chute to get mm-hmm. up to the top. I feel like if it was me, I was asthmatic as an eight year old or a ten mm-hmm. year old. I if I got to the top, I'd be like, oh, I'd be like, I'm fucking tired. <sighs> like I'm done. I can't. Like we're not doing this. <laughs> I'll just go and give him the shit. I. All you got to do at nine o'clock is be like, hey, guys, you want to see someone rob a place? Go buy Duncan's Toy Shop at yep. midnight. These guys are going to walk out with a bunch of money. They don't own it. Here's a tape proving it. With an anonymous letter. If you could have done it. You, you wouldn't even have been involved. You could have just anonymous crime check that shit. Fuck, this kid's so dumb. Because <laughs> you know what? And nearly gets kids killed. Kids are dumb. And that's the one thing in this movie that's accurate. Kids be dumb. Kids are dumb. Catherine O'Hara's first and foremost, they go to the Christmas tree in Rockefeller Center, and we get that same retread of the last movie. I mean, every beat. They, every, if you think yeah. of a beat that you liked in that first movie, other than John Candy being in it, it's back. Yep. In this sure movie. Sure is. Reuniting with the mom only, not the family. Having a little bit at the end that's about the family. 
I do like uh, uh, Buzz, despite him being a fucking garbage person. He's got uh, two funny moments in the movie at the end. He tries to get everybody's attention in the hotel room and tries mm-hmm. to blow a uh, whistling noise with his two fingers, and he can't do it. And he just makes a fart kind of noise. Uh-huh. And then also, when Rob Schneider, who's... Uh, before he was real... Mm-hmm. Anyway, yeah. he's always doing this thing with his fingers trying to get a tip or whatever, and it's a gag that uh, Kevin gave him a stick of gum before... He declined his gum last time, so he left a bunch of money that time. Buzz, ever the charming guy, gives him his chewed up gum from his mouth to stick in his hand. And then... This is another garbage thing that the hotel does, too, by the way. You fucking sent this child away. And I get they gave him a complimentary suite. I get that. That's nice, right? They, to say, sorry, we lost your kid, blah, blah, blah. But they still got the nerve to send Rob Schneider up there with the fucking room service bill after, like, all that, like... Pick your fucking battles, yeah. Plaza Hotel. Yeah, you are eating that nine hundred dollar room service. Like Bill. why? And Peter, Dad's not getting mad at Pete, at Kevin for that. He's like going, I'm not. He's going down the lobby. He's like, fuck you. I'm not paying because you lost my yeah. kid. In fact, we'd also like another nine hundred dollars worth of room service right now. How do you let a child check into your hotel? You're fucking idiot. <laughs> you call the police immediately. We could have solved all this fucking three days ago. Holy shit. But then if that didn't happen, then Pigeon Lady, wait, she's still down at the park. She doesn't change her life at all. No. She it's only been one night. She can't do anything much in that much time, I guess. I don't think she's almost. I think she lives up above Carnegie Hall. That's a sweet pad. She's got... Secret squatting going on? Maybe secret squatting, or maybe she's been there since the beginning, like for a long time, and she's got just got... It's, in. It's like uh, rent controlled. Yeah. It's a good spot. She just... Yeah. Likes to hang out at the park. What's wrong with that? It's a public space. You're allowed to hang out in a park. Oh, now we're going to get into homelessness policies, huh? Yeah. I don't... I mean, this I'm, is a controversial episode. It's controversial, but I'm just saying that I don't think she's homeless. I don't even need, think you need, need to have the argument. So, there you go. What did Roger Ebert have to say about this movie? Oh, I was just going to do that, and then I was like, well, we're getting to an hour and 15 minutes. We oh. should probably call this. All right. Well, I just you don't have to read much. I just what want to know if he... What Roger say? To recap, I think he liked the first movie. No, he did not. He did not like the he first movie. He did not movie. like the first movie. He does not like the second movie. Yeah. He predicts that if there's a third movie, don't fucking tell him, because it's shitty, and he doesn't want to watch it. Well, I mean, he's right about that, because Home Alone 3 is a steep drop-off. He literally says... Call me hard-hearted, call me cynical, but please don't call me if they make Home Alone 3. Mm. Um, he basically says that this whole cartoony violence does yeah. not fucking work. I would say that there are a lot of kids, including our kids currently in 2019, that think it's kind of funny. Yep. And it was funny then, and it's funny now. And I'll tell you why it's funny. Even though I'm not a big fan of slapstick, once you're an adult, you don't care for slapstick. It's Joe Pesci and Daniel Stern. Their reactions, they're putting an effort to this. I mean, comp- like, it, what a great example is we just watched that Santa Claus Three movie where Alan Arkin is in this movie and he seems pissed off that he's there and he doesn't want to be putting any kind of effort in. And as, and look, no, I don't blame him. But then don't be in the fucking movie. Well, right. But Daniel Stern and Joe Pesci, they did this movie and they're like, you know what? This is stupid, but we're going to put the effort in. We're going to be these characters. Yeah. We're going to do the dark. And they're thing. doing their thing and they're even reciting lines that are like, in the first movie, Daniel Stern says, yeah, kids are scared of the dark. And in the new movie, in the second movie, he goes, yeah, kids are scared of the park. There's Aww. exact lines in the movie that are retreading, right? But you know what? He's doing it. They're delivering it. They're making an effort. They know that a lot of people are going to see them, so they might as well try. Yep. He's going to be a hit movie. Put in the effort. I think those gags work because they are the good fall. They're good fall guys. So, I mean, yes, this movie is... Uh, not good. It's a retread. It's a total sequel. But if you loved Home Alone 1 growing up, 
Well, as I did, and you see Home Alone 2 at age 10, you're like, this movie's just as good. It's brilliant. <laughs> it's brilliant. They managed, they did it again. <laughs> Roger Ebert gave it two stars. Yeah. He says his final paragraph reads thus. Is this a children's movie? I confess I do not know. <laughs> Millions of kids yeah. will go to see it. Yeah. There used to be movies where it was bad for little kids to hurt grown-ups. Mm-hmm. Now Kevin bounces bricks off their skulls from the rooftops and everybody laughs. Mm-hmm. The question isn't whether the movie will scare the children in the audience. It's whether the adults will be able to peek between their fingers. I do not know what he means by that. I don't know either. What peek between... Like he's, they're hiding their it's faces? whether the adults will... Like it's so shitty they don't want to watch it. Maybe. But again, and like that's why I bring up the point that I do. Children, this plan, these plans didn't work. Their their his attempt to be he violent failed, against they these got guys, fucking murdered. They got he got saved by adults both times. Yep. yep, he would not have worked. And then, by the way, he'd still be fucked if his parents didn't care enough to at least. I mean, obviously, they were not great parents to lose their kid twice, but they make a very fat, swift attempt to get back as soon as possible to recapture the child and take care of them. A lot of kids don't have that. Uh, a lot of kids. I mean, our kids definitely don't. But, but I'm saying, like, he he would have been even at the end if they parents didn't show up, he'd be fucked. He'd be home alone by himself again. He, what's he gonna do? I'd probably be fine now. No one's trying to rob the house. But in New York, what the fuck's he gonna do? Just fucking. He's dumb. fucked. Dumb, dumb kid. He's fucked. But anyway, home alone too. Lost in New York. Merry Christmas. <laughs> Merry Christmas. <laughs> That's Anything it. Anything else? No, I don't. I, right. I, there's no way. Do you, what do you think about this movie? Because I, there's no way for me to. I, no, I can't. It is exactly as I remembered. This is Home Alone one again. Bigger in New York. Yeah. Actually, I kind of think the first one's obviously better, but the first one's better. It's but classic. If you saw them as a child, like I have no way They're of discerning. I have no way of discerning whether it's like just how inferior. I think you probably already said this Elliot forgot that he watched the first one we showed him the second one first yeah. then he started watching the first one he's like well this isn't as good as the the other one and that's frustrating that's but that's, like, that's a parenting it, we showed it to you out of fucking out of order one. that's what they do though it's like that's why those fucking kids that grew up with the prequel movies the prequel Star Wars they're like well that's my trilogy he's like no but if no. you're a good parent you show them the right one yeah. <laughs> your job parents no this is Star Wars and don't and they're like well no there's new stars like no You'd be like, no, that's not Star Wars. So if you're an Simple. old millennial with kids, show the movies in the right fucking order. Don't do what we did. We messed up. Yeah, don't fuck we, up. Even though we did show him Home Alone first. He I just have, forgot. He was five and he's like... <laughs> that, you better apologize He was that. like, like I forgot the movie because I'm five. You're having a controversial episode. God damn it. <laughs> Thanks for listening, guys. We will talk at you another movie. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Oh, Happy oh. holidays. <laughs> Merry fucking Christmas. That's what you say is happy holidays because some people don't celebrate Christmas. You can say, this no, is what I say. You say whatever the fuck you want to say. And yeah. if they want to say happy Kwanzaa, they can say fucking happy Kwanzaa. They don't have to say Merry Christmas because I like Merry Christmas. What I like to say is. Say whatever the fuck you want to say. This is what I like to say. Merry Christmas and happy holidays. Because there's two holidays and New Year's comes up. You know what I like to say? What? Have a good one. You're just trying to backtrack from your other stuff. You're trying to, like, sway your, your political... We'll talk uh, to you in another movie. Have a good one. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. <laughs>